You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. Hello, it's Tony Howell, and welcome to our season three finale of the Tony Howell Podcast, Conversations with Changemakers. This is one of my absolute favorite episodes to create because it's an honor to present you with the through lines, particularly in this episode of three different years of conversations, but also what's been going on in our world for the last 12 months. So every single conversation, whether it's with an artist, an entrepreneur, or someone that blends both worlds, revolves around the central question, how can you use your work to change the world? So at the end of season two in our recap episode, I would have said the number one thing I heard over and over and over was to be authentic. We heard that from Nathan Lee Graham, Jen Waldman, Telly Leung, and you can hear that episode or those individual conversations with the link underneath this episode. But this year, expounding on that idea of being authentic, I heard a real underlying theme that you are enough. So Tegan Summer, the world's greatest producer, librettist, and lyricist of biomusicals, says it this way. We're always folding ourselves into what we believe society wants of us, be it peer pressure, pressure from the screen, or with regard to, I don't look like that. I don't sound like that. This is something that will never be in my life. It's 100% unobtainable. I will never achieve this. Oh, if I could go back or speak to actors today, it's all about what you are now is exactly what we need to see. So be yourself 100% and never stop, never look back, eyes forward, eyes front, and you will get there. The insecurity of life where we always look backwards, obstacle, it's the biggest fear. But that's tough, especially when, you're, when it's a 3 a.m. thought waking you up. So we need like-minded people to say, you are enough, 100% to the nth degree, you are enough. The essence of you in your craft, in your lines, in the sides, in the libretto, in a stanza, in a song, in the 11 o'clock number, and we will see you. We will see you. In my conversation with award-winning actor, author, and on-camera acting coach, Steph Tovar, he shares it in this way. Part of being a good on-camera actor, and whether you're self-taping for Broadway or you're self-taping for a television show, is trusting yourself. Trusting that if you take a moment and you don't have a line and you're just thinking and being active in your mind, that you will be enough, that the camera will come to you and it will capture it and that you need to be able to trust yourself. So many actors like just move so fast through their auditions and I'm like, whoa, whoa, whoa. And that's about trust. I went through the same thing. I was like, if I didn't say my lines quickly, I'm going to lose my audience. No, you are just as talented, more talented actually when you're not speaking than when you're speaking when it comes to a self-tape. And it all goes back to that self-belief and mindset that you're capable of this. So I would say whatever your art is, if you're a designer, just believe in yourself and flip that mindset from what you think you might be capable of to this is mine. It's already out there for me. I deserve and to be and have a place in the world and this is what it is. And it's really just about instilling that confidence in yourself. And, you know, I know it sounds corny, but you really helped me with that. I don't think that I would 
be as confident as a teacher, as an author, if I didn't go through this process with you. And now I look back and go, thank God I did. Most recently, we spoke with Eli Zoller, a Broadway musician, music director, and a Northwestern Mutual financial advisor. So someone who wears many, many different hats, here's what he wants to remind you about how you show up. One general piece of advice of what I've noticed in the room and from experience myself of what I've done right and what I've done dramatically wrong is that if you want to give yourself the best opportunities, not just in that room, but in future rooms, understand that they're not just looking for a person to cast, they're looking for a person to collaborate with, at least the, the, the rooms I want to be in anyways. And that means we need to see who you are so that we can see who you can be as part of the team. And sometimes we are blessed to be working and other times the show closes. And then who are we? Jen Gambatis, one of my favorite actors, writers, and producers, shares this advice. I would say to fellow friends and artist friends, you know, yeah, don't forget that like the field, you can't keep planting in it and expect like good crop to grow. Like it has to, the soil has to rest and has to sort of do nothing. You know, that's hard. I think doing nothing, as you said, in one of your, the dualities, you said doing versus being, that's a, an eternal journey for most of us to discover because we have to do to prove our worth and to get the things we think we want. And like, none of that is true. So doing all the different inner work that I've been doing and reframing this for myself has been really freeing, really, really freeing because I'm like, oh, I don't have to do to prove that I'm good and worthy and valuable. I just have to connect. I just have to talk to people like you and to other friends and just be present and the rest will sort of take care of itself. Season two shared the idea that you are not your job, that your identity should go beyond the work you do. We heard from entrepreneurs Christine Cole, Marie Forleo, and Dr. Susan Carol Burke. We also heard from Broadway leading ladies like Catherine Allison, Christine Alibato, Sierra Bogus, Desi Oakley, and one of my favorite UK buddies who crosses both worlds, Jamie Boddy. Expanding on that idea that your identity is not your job, one of the things that I think it's important to create is a sense of community. Five-time Tony Award winner and living legend, Susan Stroman, shares this advice. I feel like I have lived my life through highs and lows, and not only in the theater, but in my personal life. They seem to be extreme, extremely high and extremely low, and same personal and theater. And it is just the roller coaster of the choice of job and profession that I have chosen, that we all have chosen for those of us in the theater. It's precarious at best. And uh, how one gets through all that, I think, is surrounding yourself with friends and people who are like-minded and love you in that sense. Uh, and people that you love, it's very important to have friends that will be there for your highs, but it will also be there for your lows. No matter who you are or where you are, there will be highs and lows in your journey as well. I loved my conversation with Hamilton's hero and the registered soldier of love, Antoine Magic Raymond. It's true, friends. 
that hear you most when you're silent. So when you have people in your life that reach out to you because of your silence, those are people that understand your heart, that understand your spirit, and that want to support you and love you regardless of how many followers you have, how many likes you have, how many Broadway credits you have, how many books you've written or sold, how many talks you've given. They don't care. Antoine is not only an incredible and prolific artist, but he's also the survivor of childhood sexual abuse. And continuing this idea of developing an identity, one of the things that I think it's important we continue to talk about is mental health. So here's Antoine's advice on one small thing you can start doing today. If you don't hear this today from anyone else, you're going to hear from me that you are love and you are loved. And that is something I actually say to myself every day, at least three times a day. Why three times a day? Because it's when I eat meals. <laughs> so when I, you know, I kind of, I bless my food. And the first thing I say is, I am love. I am loved. And it's not that I don't know I'm loved by other people, but in my field, I could be in another city. I could go a whole day without talking, talking to my partner. And you just may not hear that from someone else. And it's not because people in your life don't love you, but Life happens and you may not hear from someone else. So why not hear from yourself? So if nothing else, know that you are love and you are loved. And I invite you to tell yourself that at least once a day, do it in the shower because that is a space you will more than likely have to yourself. If you grew up watching Little House on the Prairie like I did, then you'll recognize Ma's voice in our conversation with actor and writer Karen Grassley. And I asked her, how can we destigmatize this conversation around mental health? Oh, that's such a good question. And I suppose this is how we do it by saying, yes, I talked to my therapist last week and here's the insight I got. You know what I mean? To make this part of the fabric of our lives rather than being in the closet and saying, well, you know, I don't want people to know that I need help or that I have problems or that I seek advice from other people. You know, I mean, these are such old ideas that people should be, you know, stoic and independent and not need anybody. But the church used to fulfill that role. And even though we've learned a lot about the frailties of the church, still that there was a role in society. There was somebody for people to go talk to. And as membership in the churches has gone down, we need some resources. So I'm one of those people who's needed all the help she could get, you know. And uh, fortunately, I'm able to seek that help and pay for it. But that's another issue, you know, is uh, making mental health services available to people. We need to make mental health services available, affordable, and non-controversial. But there are also things that you can do every single day to take care of yourself. I love what director-choreographer Tony Spinoza shares. I thought about this a little bit, and, uh, you know, I'm very much into my physical health. Exercising every day, I think, is very important with keeping your instruments in tune. And the other thing that I do often is connect with nature. 
I find nature to be, you know, whether it's a hike or whether it's a walk by the beach or anything that connects me with nature really helps my brain to open up and spark new ideas and come up with new ideas. It's a, a very grounding exercise for me. Along the way of the yellow brick road of life and business, we do encounter losses. So I truly loved my collaboration, but also my conversation with actor and podcast host, Dana Black. You should check out her podcast, I Swear on My Mother's Grave. But here's what Dana has to say about grief. We believe as a society says that it's so scary to talk about grief. And we think by talking about it, it'll be worse. Our grief will be worse, heavier, harder. But it actually lightens the load. It literally frees you and you move through the muck. I also spoke about death and loss with Jen Gambatis, who lost Doreen Montalvo during the run of Mrs. Doubtfire. But around that same time, we lost Stephen Sondheim. And to be honest, we will continue to lose people. But here's what Jen has to say about processing those losses. I would tell people not to be afraid to open themselves to continuing their relationships with people when they do depart from the woods. You know, my belief is that they're returning to where we all come from. So it's the woods. Our time here is like the short part, the outskirts of the woods, <laughs> whatever that is in the non-physical, that's the eternal part. And that's where we all come from, where we're all, all going to sort of return to. So making the most of our time while we have it here in this, you know, earth school playground is about sort of enjoying the things that are only possible here, right? Like, oh, I'm looking at this pastrami sandwich. So find the joy, my friends, and embrace the present moment. Another through line from season two was that as artists, we are individual business owners and to stay open to where your artistry may go to follow the likes of Beyonce, Lady Gaga, Janelle Monet, that there's all kinds of possibilities for all of us. So we heard that from Susan Icorn Young, Douglas Lyons, Jelani Aladdin, Tyler G. Mount, and Joe Roscoe. But how does an artist become a business? How does an artist become a healthy CEO? Well, the first thing that I would say, expanding on that idea this year, is that you've got to go out there and make it happen. Here's some inspiration for you from one of my favorite Tonys. Do what you love to do. Life is too short to not live out your passions and live out your dreams. Like I said, we're always handed, no, you can't do this. And yes, you can do this. And I wish that the youth were instilled with that more often because you can have your dreams. You can manifest your dreams. And just this past year on the Tony Awards, I saw so many people encouraging people to live their dreams, go after it because you will succeed. You will succeed with the passion, drive, and determination. Don't hold back. In case you didn't catch that, that was Tony Spinoza. And here's Dana Black with even more inspiration for you to go out there and do the thing. If you dream it and you build the thing that you want to attend, that you want to be a part of, you will attract people who are craving spaciousness, and this opportunity, and that is what happened. And we sold out at the time in under a month. And there were other people who still wanted to come and were like, let me know when the next one is. Some people want to come back a second time from this retreat this October. So 
it's just, it's so exciting. So yeah, Bali, Greece, Italy, Traverse City. Allow me to also share Susan Stroman's advice for you, the artist. Step forward with your talent. Step forward with your ideas. Find different collaborators. Find places that you can show people what you have to offer. There are so many institutions around the city that you can knock on the door and be a part of it. So I think it's that idea of opening up your eyes a little bit past your own myopic talent and finding out what else is out there and then trying to be a part of it and trying to make a difference. Do something that makes a difference in someone's life, a singular person's life, or in the life of an audience. My right-hand man, my best man, to be honest, uh, Jonathan Freeland, a singer-songwriter in Nashville, but also my longtime associate, shared this advice for going out there and going after your dreams. I kind of tooled back and forth between auditions and working in restaurants and worked regionally for about, I guess it was like the next three or four years. And it was around that time, though, where I really was starting to have those, like the highs were high and the lows were super low. And there were so many lessons that I learned there artistically in those lows when I wasn't working that ended up really feeding that fire of, okay, you don't have to wait on someone else to determine your career path as an actor. That can be quite difficult. So here's how he learned to become a healthy CEO while juggling all these different pursuits. Okay, here are my ideas. How can I execute them in a way that makes sense instead of I'm doing six million things? Oh, I have to do this. Oh, I have to put out this song. I should be doing all of these things versus, okay, here's work time. Here's music time. Here's personal time. Time management is so important. We heard that in our conversation with Eli Zoller, who expanded not just on money management, but time management. I love being busy. I love it. It's fantastic. I'm a dual career individual. I'll take six meetings during the day and then go play a show. And my body doesn't always thank me for it, but my mind does. And I love it. I love being proactive in multiple aspects of my career. But you have to know that it requires time management. So now that you are stepping up as a artist and you're going to be your own business, there's going to come a time when you have a team. And so I wanted to pass on some leadership lessons that I garnered from this season. First up is leading lady, Erin LaCroix. I was preparing to go do a production of My Fair Lady and I was playing Eliza Doolittle and I had taken my music to Jasper and we were working on the music. I remember he stopped and he looked at me and he said, Aaron, I want to ask you what kind of leading lady are you going to be? He said, are you going to be the kind of leading lady that leaves her dressing room door open, that's welcoming and inviting, or the kind of leading lady that keeps her door closed? What kind of tone are you setting the moment you set foot into the building? And so that is something that I will often bring up with young students and young artists to just encourage them to set a tone of kindness, set a tone of humility, and always lead with integrity. And I think that's important, not just in the theater, but in any aspect of our lives. 
Going back to Karen Grassley, around the time of our interview, she had just released her memoir, Bright Lights, Prairie Dust. And within it, I love the fact that she honored every single person that worked on Little House on the Prairie. But here are two leadership lessons that she learned from that successful series. Kent was an extraordinary leader who was never blowing his own horn, but always seeing to the job. I describe in the book how he got out in the mud, in the rain, trying to dig these trucks out of this mud on the ranch when we were doing the pilot and how the driver of the car I was in said, boy, you don't see a production manager doing that. But he was all about getting the job done. Well, I come from that kind of family. My parents were very unassuming people, very straightforward people. They were very frank and honest. So that was a work ethic I was raised with and respect. That is one thing my folks taught me and my sister was how to work hard. I should also say that Mike was exceptional in that he had his eyes and ears on everything all the time. And he made it his job to try to create a fun atmosphere and keep things light. And he knew more jokes than anybody I've ever met. I mean, they just came out of him repeatedly, constantly over the years. And it it was part of what he did to try to keep the crew happy. He did things for the children, too, to entertain them. And I would be remiss if I didn't pass on some of the wisdom that I've garnered from Susan Stroman. Here's what she has to say about helming large, multi-million dollar musicals. It is important to make the room comfortable. And in doing so, it is all about respect. It is about respecting actors. It's about respecting designers and even about respecting your producers. So it is all about respect. And because I don't think people can do their best work if they do not feel respected. And uh, you want to have that room filled with that feeling of being able to create and being able to fall on your face and get back up again. And no one is judging you So it has a great freedom to it. And you want to be inspired by everyone in the room. So I think respect is the most important aspect of that. So congratulations, my friend. We are being authentic, knowing we are enough. We are developing an identity outside of our work, creating community, knowing that mental health is important. We're taking care of ourselves. And in the meantime, we're also realizing that we are our own CEOs as artists and that we are making things happen and taking leadership. One of the other big lessons from season two was to be fearless, that you have to do that in order to create change. We heard that from Douglas Lyons, Leia Salonga, Ken Davenport, Kate Lumpkin, Mila Atmos, and Roma Tori. I would tell you that between these different artists, writers, journalists, casting directors, and even my own experience as a brand strategist, Something that I believe is that we have to bridge worlds. So we have to bridge tradition with innovation, the past with the future, expectation with surprise, and in some areas, entertainment with education in order to make change. 
one big theme of our season three was this idea of edutainment, that we are doing this in order to influence change. So I will go back to Tegan Summer, producer, librettist, and lyricist of Biomusicals. And here's what he has to say about creating art that does make change. It's not about what we'd get in documentaries gone by. It's not just about the sensational headlines. You know, we often get in an email, the subject line, I want to look at the body of the text, the man, the family, what you ate at breakfast, cereals, how you spoke to your children, and what Malcolm X thought about growing up. So in an environment where he had to rise himself and become this leader, what's behind the smile? What's behind the gesture? What's behind the cause? Especially as a, as a Black man growing up in England and America, it's fascinating to me, that story. And it's taken a year to secure these rights, and we want to do it justice. And I'm blessed and proud to be on this story. Aaron LaCroix, cast member of the revolutionary revival of 1776, shares this about edutainment. I think one thing that our co-directors, Diane Paulus and Jeffrey L. Page, have really highlighted is how do we reckon with our past in order to move forward and produce change? I think what was really cool is they had these questions available for audience members who came to see our production at the American Repertory Theater, hence combining, I think, education and entertainment to result in creating theater that challenges because you're forced to reflect and really grapple with some of these questions and reckon with our history where we have been, where we are now, and where we desire to move forward in the future together. I was honored to have the conversation with Susan Stroman about how she creates art that influences change. And here's what she had to share. I do think we need both. We do need good old entertainment for people to lift their spirits. We absolutely do. But I do think, too, it's a time to think about making theater that's going to touch people in a way to make them think. That is very important. Uh, making people think in a new way, in a different way, make people understand something they never knew anything about. So it's finding those stories, too, that when an audience leaves the theater, they talk about that particular idea or show for several days. That's when you really have a success. Whether you are creating new works or interpreting those old classics, keep your eyes on this blend of entertainment and education. So here's some intel from the creator of Singing Revolution, the musical, Tony Spinoza. In writing any form of entertainment, you don't want it to feel like it's an education. The education sort of has to be the aftermath of what the entertainment is. It's tricky. It's a fine line because the very first version that I wrote of Sing Revolution came out like a history lesson. And I was like, no, this is bad. This is just bad. And that's when I brought in my co-writer, James Bearhart, to come help me write the book, make it a character-driven story, use all the nuts and bolts of an American musical to turn it into the entertainment that it is. Notice that part about teamwork? 
Don't try to do everything on your own, my friend. And I'm talking to myself here too. Our final through line from season two was that success is personally defined. We heard that from Broadway Black's Drew Shade, J. Robert Spencer, and so many others. But I loved this year the truth bomb that Jonathan Freeland shared in our conversation about success in the music business. I want the songs to elicit emotion. I want the merch to elicit emotion. I want people to feel things. You have brilliant ideas, and you might even invest the time, money, and energy required to execute those beautifully. But while you're in your own head and creating things from your heart, don't forget to focus on the emotions of your audience. How your art makes others feel is the absolute best way to influence action or create change. So you've probably heard that phrase, success is the journey, not the destination. For me, putting this all together, success lies in action. It's our pursuit, but it can't be all about you. So perhaps redefine success as the actions that you take, as well as the actions you inspire in others. And that, my dear friend, is the end, at least for now. So I want to repeat these big ideas, but if you are a visual learner like me, make sure you click on that link that goes with this episode because you're going to see this and it will help you remember these big ideas. So after 34 conversations and three years, the biggest takeaways and lessons are, one, be authentic. Trust that you are enough. Two, your identity is not your job. Make sure that you are exploring who you are outside of what you do. Prioritize your mental health. Talk about your grief or losses. Get out in nature and develop a community around you who will support you for your highs and those low moments. As an artist, be a business owner. Be the CEO, get out there and make it happen and learn leadership along your way so that you can best guide your teams. Be fearless. That is a way to make change. And part of that fearlessness comes from mixing tradition and innovation, entertainment with education, ideas with feelings. And finally, number five, you define success. But as you are calculating that for yourself, think about your actions as well as the actions you inspire in your audience. Now, to increase your efficacy as an artist, a change maker, and CEO, yes, keep taking action, keep moving forward. However, take time to stop and reflect. Take a moment to look back at how far you've come. That is why every single episode this year has come out at the end of every month, because I hope that at least monthly, you're taking a moment to pause, reflect, and honor your past. Then present your present so you can help design our future. I hope that you found this recap helpful to glean the wisdom from all of these incredible change makers. If you wanna to listen to more of one of these individual conversations, including just the people whose names I mentioned, click on the link below this episode. I do need to let you know I'm going to take a pause on the podcast, at least for the next year, 
to create new self-paced online courses and also to make sure that the articles I wrote all the way back in 2013 reflect the world that we're living in today. Throughout the year ahead, I'm gonna be holding some live Zoom calls, classes, and workshops. So make sure that you're subscribed. You can hop over to tonyhowell.co to get all the details. And I hope I get to see your face on Zoom very soon. But I do wanna hear from you today. Who or what spoke to you? What was your biggest lesson this year? Take a screenshot and tag me on social media or leave a review at ratethispodcast.com forward slash Tony Howell. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you to Antoinette Placides for guiding and editing this show, to Gertrude Payena for her art direction. Thank you also to all of the incredible guests for your contributions and Broadway Podcast Network for amplifying so many voices. But now it's up to you. How can you use your work to change the world? I hope you and I get to have a conversation about that very soon. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E dot org because only together we rise.